0: If you didn't know, I actually started out as a social studies teacher. I think it was about 2015, maybe 2016. I was an eighth grade social studies teacher and the students in my class were doing a project over the causes of the American Revolution. I had a pretty big class at the time and they were all in groups of three or four. And honestly, they were all working really hard on this project and in my class, I encouraged talking quite often because I knew that speaking was really important to developing a student's academic language. So my my classroom was not quiet by any means, but it was definitely well managed. Anyway, I went over to one table and this group was um, three or four students. I believe there are four students and they were Spanish speakers. And all of them were from different countries, but Spanish was their home language and the language they had in common. Anyway, they were doing excellent work, but I noticed that they went in and out of English and Spanish. So they would start um, a sentence, maybe go in their sentence from English, then move to Spanish, then back to English again before it was even over. And I went over, again, this is, just something that I did earlier in my career, but I went over and instead of commending the work that they had done or even being curious about what they're talking about, I said, and I remember this very clearly, let's practice English only in my, let's, sorry, let's only practice English in my classroom, okay? And of course they were compliant. And this was years ago, obviously. And honestly, this experience has stood very vivid in my memory. Why? Well, it's a pretty big regret of mine. I'm not sure if I am speaking of this one instance, but I, I, I regret my mindset at the time. I did not embrace cultural and linguistic diversity in my classroom. I didn't make space for multilingual identities. I was further oppressing minority students. I didn't see the child or children holistically. I lacked a fundamental understanding of how languages work. Thankfully, I have changed my mindset and grown from that and learned from that. Dr. Jose Medina, if you are familiar with him, he would label me as a linguistic oppressor in recovery. But in my defense, I have always respected a student's home language, at least in theory, but in teacher preparation programs, I was taught that classrooms were for academic English and that they could practice their Spanish in the hallways or with their friends at the lunchroom or at home. I didn't want them to lose Spanish for sure. I, 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 I really valued bilingualism, but I thought it was my job to ensure that they practiced academic English in my classroom because my thought was this is the only place that they get to practice it, so they need to practice it here. It's one of my biggest regrets and I wish I could have embraced trans-translanguaging earlier in my career. On today's episode of the Ever Teacher podcast, we're going to talk about translanguaging. What it is, what it isn't, and the myths surrounding it. And if you're a teacher in the general education setting, no matter if you're monolingual or multilingual, this will be for you. It should be a good one. I'm really excited to get into this. So, Let's get started. Hey teacher friend, you have English learners in your classroom, and if you're like thousands of other teachers, you feel overwhelmed with meeting their academic, social, and emotional needs. Maybe you've had a PD here or there, but you've never really been given the tools that you deserve. Welcome to the Every Teacher Podcast. I'm your host, Risa Woods, and I want to help you find your classroom confidence. I'm an ELL teacher turned educational consultant, and I've created this podcast to give you simple strategies and small shifts to get you on your way. Whether you're an administrator, instructional coach, educator, or you hold a support role, each episode is designed to empower you to see that every teacher can meet the needs of English learners, not just the specialists. If you're an ambitious educator, ready to transform your teaching, you're in the right place. Let's get started. What is translanguaging? Well, it's a term that comes from the 1980s, but it means using all of your linguistic repertoire and knowledge to communicate and make sense of what is being learned. So rather than segregating languages, as in the student speaks English and Spanish or Mandarin and English, it encourages students to draw on their full linguistic repertoire, to make meaning and to communicate effectively. Instead of seeing a student's abilities, linguistic abilities as separate translinguaging sees them as fluid and integrated. So, this could look like the conversation my students were having about the American Revolution. Here are some more examples of translinguaging that you might have seen or will see in your classroom. Um if you are in a math class and the you're the teacher and you present a challenging word problem. So you have some students who are Vietnamese and they're pretty comfortable in their native language and they start to discuss the problem in Vietnamese. Then they work together and they translate the problem into English, ensuring everyone in the group understands the task and can participate in finding a solution. So using that Vietnamese and English repertoire and a science class, Students are conducting an experiment to learn about chemical reactions. A group of students who speak Somali English fluently conduct their discussion about chemical reactions in both languages. That's translanguaging. What about in an ELA class? There are students discussing a complex poem in English. Some students are bilingual in Spanish and English and find it challenging to fully express their thoughts in English. So the teacher encourages them to translanguage and encourages them to use their native language Spanish to share their initial understanding and to have discussions in English and Spanish. So these are all examples of translanguaging and it might not be a term that you're familiar with, but I'm sure you're familiar with the concept of it. These examples illustrate how translanguaging allows students to draw on their linguistic repertoires to support their learning and communication in various subjects. Translanguaging promotes inclusive classrooms where students can collaborate, share their knowledge, and develop their language skills more effectively. Translanguaging. Again, it might be a new concept, but or new word, but the concept I'm sure you're familiar with. I'm thinking of friends who speak Spanglish, you know, they go in and out of speaking English and Spanish and might even use some Spanglish words, I'm combining the two. But, as you can imagine, there's quite a bit of push pushback to translinguaging. My the real that I've done that had the most controversy was the one I had about English-only policies. English only policies are such a controversial thing, especially in the United States. But when I created a reel and said, this was something that I learned early on that I regret in my career about enforcing English only in my classroom. Oh, I had so many people that were just up in arms saying, it's America, of course we should speak English, blah, 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 blah. But um, so there are a lot of pushbacks and a lot of misconceptions when it comes to translanguaging, as you can imagine. So translanguaging is really misunderstood. And I will say, I am not an expert on translanguaging. I'm still trying to understand and still learning. I see it in my classroom, but I'm still trying to understand my role as a teacher in it. And I want to come alongside you as you also understand. So at the end of this episode, I will include experts in the field that you can learn from as well the ones that I've learned from, and I hope that you also gain knowledge from them, but I at least want to introduce you to it um, and maybe clarify some misconceptions. So I want to address five common misconceptions of translanguaging and clarify them head on with you so that you as a teacher can feel confident in incorporating translanguaging into your classroom this school year. So here we go, the five myths. Myth number one. If I allow my students to translanguage, it will hinder their language development. They will not be able to learn English if they're translanguaging in my class. This is false. Surprisingly, research shows, and research backs this up, that it's completely false. Translanguaging does not hinder a student developing in their target language. What's even more interesting, that it doesn't hinder, it actually can accelerate language development. Isn't that amazing? It doesn't hinder, it actually accelerates the student learning the language. There was a study conducted by Garcia and Way in 2014, and it found that students engaged in translanguaging practices demonstrated higher levels of language proficiency in both their native language and their target language compared to students that did not have translanguaging practices in their classrooms. They found that when students are encouraged to draw on their entire linguistic repertoire, not just half of it, but their entire linguistic repertoire, it reinforces their understanding of language structures fosters vocabulary growth and builds confidence in expressing ideas in multiple languages. It's the equivalent I've heard before. It's the equivalent of, um, asking someone to catch a ball. Could you do it with, if they have one hand, of course they could, you know, there are there are people who could catch balls with one hand, but rather we are giving them both hands, allowing them to use those both hands and to catch the ball. I'm not trying to be ableist. I'm, I'm just trying to express that instead of hindering them and giving them barriers, we're allowing them to have their full linguistic repertoire. So it actually will help their language development. Isn't that amazing? I think that's amazing. Myth number two, if I allow translanguaging in my classroom, it's only going to confuse students. They're gonna not gonna know if it's Mandarin or English. They're gonna get confused between Vietnamese and English or, or whatever the two languages are. And of course, this is not true either. By allowing students to trans language, you're actually allowing them to clarify concepts, complex concepts, by providing context and explanations in their home language. When learners encounter challenging ideas in the target language, so English in this example, Using their native language can facilitate understanding and bridge gaps. So using that home language is not a barrier. It's not going to confuse them. It's going to bridge the gap between their home language and their and English. And after all, it's the language of their heart and a window into their heads is what I say. By using that home language as a bridge, you're actually not going to confuse them. You're going to help them. It will stimulate critical thinking. It will stimulate cognitive flexibility. When students switch between languages strategically and they engage in metalinguistic awareness, making connections between different linguistic structures and deepening their understanding of language. It will it will deepen their understanding of language. So my point is translanguaging is actually going to make your students smarter the way that the brain works it's not going to confuse them it's going to make them smarter the home language is going to be used as a bridge to the second language to access the second language or the third language or the target language english in this in this case myth number 3 and this one is a social justice issue right Translanguaging. This is the myth. Translanguaging is un- unprofessional or inappropriate. It's not formal enough or academic enough for it to have students speaking in this way or using language in this way. It's it's fluid. It's not academic enough. And I've noticed that arguments like this are always made against students of color and minority students, from the way they dress to the way they speak. It seems that minority students whatever they do to succeed or even exist in schools is a threat and white majority students are are given a pass in these areas they're allowed to exist or succeed and they're given the structures to do so but translanguaging is a social justice matter it's an equity matter it's a justice matter translanguaging expert ophelia garcia says that when translanguaging is not allowed or encouraged in the classroom, you're doing injustice to children because all bilingual communities translanguage. it's not just Hispanics, it's not just Mexican, it's not just Spanglish, all bilingual communities translanguage. it's the norm. And therefore she says, quote, if you don't take translanguaging into account, you are instructing the children with less than half of their repertoire and you are only assessing, you're assessing only less than half of their repertoire. So of course, they're always going to do poorer than monolingual children, end quote. This is a social justice matter. If we want to make education equitable, we have to allow and encourage translanguaging. Translanguaging is a valuable tool in education. It's not a sign of laziness or unprofessionalism. Rather, it's a strategic use of language to enhance learning. Translanguaging supports comprehension, bridges gaps, and promotes a deeper understanding of content for multilingual learners. So if we are going to take social justice or educational equity seriously, we must be teachers, all of us, no matter if we speak one language or three languages, we must be teachers that promote trans. <clears throat> translanguaging, excuse me. Myth number 4. I'm a math teacher or an art teacher. I'm not a language teacher. I'm not a bilingual teacher. I'm not an ELL teacher. Translanguaging, it's just not relevant in my class. This of course is false. If I didn't explain it before as a social justice ma- matter, I hope I understand hope you understand it now. In content-based instructional classrooms. Subjects like science or social studies, math, biology, anatomy, any of those content instruction classes. Translanguaging can be used to ensure students comprehend complex concepts. As we said before, it is a bridge to from one language to another. If they have trouble understanding the concept, it is a bridge. Students can discuss topics in their native languages and and then work collaboratively to translate and summarize the information in the target language. So if you are listening and you are an algebra teacher or a fourth grade teacher, you can use translanguaging in your classroom. If you're a PE teacher or an art teacher or a music teacher, you can use translanguaging in your classroom. Like my students in my social studies class, translanguaging is not limited to multilingual classrooms or multilingual communities. It can be applied in any educational setting where students speak different languages or have varying language proficiency levels. Translanguaging is all about honoring students' linguistic diversity and using it to enhance their learning experiences. It's providing a welcome environment, a safe environment where all languages thrive and all languages are important, even if you don't speak those languages. And myth number five, um, this might not be a lot of teachers, but um, I do want to address the fact that translanguaging is, a myth could be that translanguaging is, is code switching. And translanguaging may involve code switching, but they are not the same thing. They are different. Code switching is not the same as translanguaging. Code switching and translanguaging are both linguistic phenomena, and they both use multiple languages or multiple dialects. But the difference being, code switching refers to the act of switching between two or more languages or dialects. And this happens when bilingual or multilingual individuals seamlessly alternate between languages depending on the situation. It's really highly context sensitive or socially sensitive. It's a conscious choice made by speakers who are aware of their language options. So, if you are in different social settings or contexts, then you can you would code switch, and it occurs within linguistic boundaries, meaning that each code switch segment maintains grammatical rules. So, if you're code switching between standard American English to AAVE, those have different grammatical rules. Translanguaging, on the other hand, is an educational approach that goes beyond code switching and it involves using all available languages strategically and fluidly to support learning and communication. It breaks down language barriers and promotes inclusivity. So translanguaging can happen on any level, in any setting, and it's used to support language learners and create an inclusive learning environment that values linguistic diversity. In translanguaging, there's a more fluid integration of languages and the distinct distinctions between languages may be a little less rigid, rigid. It's not confined by linguistic boundaries. So like I said earlier, a student could be speaking in Spanish and then switch to English, right? It's not confined as in here we speak this way and here we speak that way. That would be more code switching. So code switching involves switching between languages within a conversation while translanguaging encompasses a more comprehensive and strategic use of multiple languages to support learning and communication so again i will kind of i'll share those experts in the field that i i look to if you're like i'm still confused i'll give you those resources so that you can check it out yourself but so going back saying I'm a monolingual teacher. I'm a math teacher. How the heck am I going to even start with translanguaging? How, what, what do I even do? So I would really encourage you to try this activity, um, or exercise with your students. So the beginning of the school year, if you're not listening to this in the beginning of the school year, you can start now, but drawing, if you can, or showing a tool belt or a toolbox, And labeling it with lots of different um, languages represented. So if you have a student that speaks Mandarin or Vietnamese or Spanish or Arabic or Persian or whatever languages they have in your classroom. And then saying to students, even though I will be communicating with you in English and I'm going to be teaching in English, any of these languages or any language that you have or know Any language that you have in your toolbox, you can use in this classroom. So even though I will be speaking in English, if you need to to clarify with a partner in Spanish, that's great. Go for it. If you need to read or write in Vietnamese, go for it. Okay. and I understand the um, barriers as a monolingual teacher, there are barriers. Um, I am, I would say, I, I wouldn't call myself bilingual, but I am, I, I can, I'm conversational in Spanish, but I have so many other languages in my classroom that there's no way that I could be proficient in all these languages. So even for me, I could not speak in all these languages, but I can encourage others to speak or to write or to read or whatever else in those languages, which also means having multi, like multiple multilingual texts in the classroom. Those are some more strategies. But the very least, just communicating with, with students that this is a place where you can use any of these languages in your toolbox. Please do, I want you to. I, whatever it takes for you to understand what's going on in this classroom, I would love for you to do that. I want you to use the language of your heart. It is welcome here, it is accepted here, please do. Okay, so just demonstrating to students that that is a desire that you have is so powerful, even if you don't speak all their languages. But doing everything you can to create a linguistically inclusive environment is really important, especially at the beginning of the year if you're listening to this at the back to school season. So that includes putting out multiple texts, if you have a reading teacher, or if you use multiple resources with different languages in them. That also means having different languages around in your classroom on the walls, if that's a word wall, having, different, have, having your vocabulary words in different languages. That also means including parents and in, in families, caregivers into your classroom. If that means um, collaborating with them or having bilingual resources. Even if you're not a multilingual teacher, you can do these things to encourage inclusivity, linguistic inclusivity in your classroom. And as I said before, I am not an expert on the field of translanguaging. I'm still learning, but there are experts and voices that, that I would encourage you to listen to. And two, Um, come to mind. The first one is Ophelia Garcia. I quoted her earlier. She is an expert on translanguaging. If you just Google Ophelia Garcia, you'll see a lot of different things about translanguaging. But she co-wrote the book, The Translanguaging Classroom, Leveraging Student Bilingualism for Learning. And I really recommend this book. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, She also has just YouTube videos you can look at or research A lot of the research in the field has come from her, so um, she's someone that you can look up um, that will hopefully inspire and educate you about translanguaging. Another one is Dr. Jose Medina. Um, Dr. Medina is an educational consultant and he works with um, schools, especially dual language programs to help create educational access for all students, especially Obviously, culturally and linguistically diverse students, and um, bilingual and multilingual learners. Um, he's one I will put his Instagram. I'm always inspired by his Instagram and TikTok videos um, just about language oppression and um, ling- linguistic diversity and in- inclusivity. He's someone that really encourages me, um, and I'll put his information at the bottom here. But that does conclude our episode today of, on the Every Teacher Podcast. I really hope that you found this exploration of translanguaging and, and busting the myths and misconceptions. I hope you found them to be insightful and inspiring. As educators, we have the incredible opportunity to embrace and celebrate linguistic diversity, especially at the beginning of the year. This is our chance. Remember, it's about, it's about accepting the student holy, which includes their whole identities, including linguistic identities. By, by saying that we want students to feel welcome in our classroom, we're saying that we want to welcome the entire student. By creating an inclusive classroom environment that values and encourages translanguaging, we foster a space where all students can thrive. Translanguaging supports language development enhances comprehension, and promotes critical thinking. It builds a sense of cultural pride and identity. Again, we're not telling them to leave their identity at the door, their cultural identity or their linguistic identity. Instead, we can allow students to be who they are in our classroom. It makes them feel seen, heard, and valued. So as we gear up for the new school year, let's remember to embrace translanguaging as a bridge that connects cultures, languages, and ideas. Let's strive to create classrooms that reflect the diverse world we live in, where every student's language journey is celebrated and supported. I truly hope you learn from my mistakes early on and embrace translanguaging in your classroom this school year. Thanks again. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed this message, make sure to subscribe to the Every Teacher podcast and leave a review. New episodes will be here every Wednesday. You can connect with me further on Instagram at Risa Woods underscore E L L. That's R-I-S-A-W-O-O-D-S underscore E-L-L. You can DM me any questions you have there. I'll see you next time.